Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. The 98-2 rule. My dad said that I was the example of this. 98% attitude, 2% aptitude. And I got uh, offended at first, and then he uh, helped me to realize that he was talking about the fact that your attitude could get you to a place where you could accomplish the aptitude, but your aptitude would never get you your attitude. And so on the show today, I think it's one of the greatest examples of attitude and uh, and and mentality, uh, which I think is amazing. One of my really good friends and mentors, a guy that I chase all the time. I call him, I text him um, uh, a ton. And you know when you love somebody, when you text them more than they text you. So I'm going to give him as hard of a time as possible today. Uh, this man it has done everything from the entertainment business to the transportation business to the investment business to, uh, you know, uh, working with uh, homes all over the uh, all over the country building not businesses i i've said this before this is the tagline that i came up with for him is he does not build people he does not build businesses he builds empires he can be found at gw empire uh builder on Instagram at GW Empire Builder. His book, Don't Just Build a Business, Build an Empire. You can find that, and this will absolutely change your life. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Gerald Washington. <laughs> Thank you. Man. Let me tell you something. I'm taking you on a road with me. We're going together. <laughs> My hype man. It's a wrap. <laughs> well, what I love about Gerald, what I love about Gerald, guys, uh, for you guys here, and I'm talking in the third person about him. I'm even sweating the fact <laughs> that I get to talk with him today. You guys can see it on me right now. I, I need, I need the hype man uh, with me with the towel and saying, "Yeah, it's 2020, y'all." Um, but the the reason why I wanted to be able to bring you on the show is because seriously. And this is what I want to do with uh, today is let's get right down to business. Um, yeah. you, you were a cut to the chase guy, right? When I talked to you, the, one of the first times you looked at me, um, you know, we, we had lunch at the, um, where were we at? We were in LA um, for a convention yeah. for Paul Mitchell schools. We had lunch with your wife, your beautiful wife, Patrice. And yeah. we said a couple of words, you grabbed me, pulled me close. And you said, we're going to do something together someday. Mm. And you got right to it. So, one of the things that you said to me before we started recording was you're detoxing from social media. Let's jump right in. Yes, sir. I, I am. And because what, what I realized is that social media has become, you know, you open your phone, you check your text messages, you check your email, and then I immediately check social media. And I'm talking about, I may check email and text on my phone hundred times a day. So that means I'm on social media hundred times a day and I'm, I'm allowing the world's, emotions to be deposited onto me and, and I believe that needs to be timed right there needs to be an amount of time in the day that I, I will allow that to happen but I know before I can create those time frames that I can be involved in whatever the world has going on whether somebody's lying about how much money they have and number of cars they have or whether we're talking about um, systemic racism or we're talking about Donald Trump whatever it may be I got to give myself blocks of that because I've been allowing it to just run freely in my mind throughout the day and it's been a total distraction and and i i only know how to do things by completely cutting it off so like i literally deleted the icon from my phone there's no there's no social media on your phone you the, no there's no i would have to go and re-download instagram right now in order to ha in order to be able to see something how long do you think this will last i've done it before um, three months. Um, and so right now for me, man, I, I'm not, I'm not even putting a time frame on it. I think what I'm going to attach to it 
is a goal for my business, right? Um, and a, a metrics that I can meet in my businesses because every time that my plan is, is every time that I, I want to look at social media, I'm either going to pray at that time that I feel that energy to do it, or I'm going to um, make a phone call about one of my businesses and knock down, you know, my to-do list, right? So which one of these things can I do right now from this list that I would have, instead of being, being on the phone, following somebody else's life and trolling them on the internet. So I, I love this because uh, that type of focus had uh, started from the beginning. I mean, I want to I want to talk about that a bit. But you and I had talked about you had told me uh, the stories about you starting off in um, basically promoting parties. You grew up in L.A. Um, you were promoting parties. You were helping people to, uh, you know, basically like, you know, hey, come check out this party because it's the coolest place in the world. Now, some people do this and they do it on a level of like, oh, wow, I want to help my friend out. You had a focus, a laser focus yeah. that took you to a point where you took one of the uh, best known personalities in today's society and you blew that up. You used those partying skills, right? Yeah. And you put those principles in line to be able to create Emmy award winning TV um, yeah. and you know, take us through that. Where did that mentality come from and how were you able to utilize those principles? Because most people, again, would, would party when they were kids or they right. would promote a party, but they wouldn't see that it could become a business. Yeah. I think for me, it came from living and in, in growing up in Inglewood, California and growing up on a main street, uh, Van Ness and understanding the opportunities my father and mother saw for us more my father and mother with respect to this realm of it um and the businesses that he wanted to do but there was always that 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 twitch that never happened for my father uh, my father rest in peace he, he he had the ability to start a business he had an ability to get something going but there was never the click that took it from the mom and pop shop to the franchise for lack of a better way to phrase it right him and my uncle got in the business together. My uncle, it was it was a furniture and upholstery business. But my dad always worked a job at night, right? So he had a, he had a, a nine to five in the evening, but his five to nine, as I reverse it for him, was his furniture business in the daytime. And then he had a chili business. And so I saw him identify these other things, but but it was literally where he was an employee. And so for me, as I began to want to, to strategize things and understand what was happening in the world and seeing what was on TV and wanting more. I wanted more of a house, more car. I wanted, I wanted more clothes. I wanted, you had to find a way to get there. And it wasn't going to be from Gerald throwing one party. One party wasn't going to buy me the 1999 Honda Accord as a freshman in, in college. It wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen. So, so what was going to do that? Right. And, and for me, it was, it was the ability for the strategy and things that I learned on the football field as a captain of the football team or, the things you learn being the um, president of student body or the things you learn from, from grinding and gritting in the, in, in the hard streets of Inglewood, driving down Crenshaw Boulevard and trying to figure out life. I was able to transfer, not wanting to live there. I love my people and I, and I go back all the time, but I wanted my family to live a different lifestyle. And I wanted my dad to have a different lifestyle. So the things we were going to the mall, he couldn't buy for himself. How am I going to get the How the hell am I going to get it for both of us? Right. I, I'm not getting it for both of us by me working one job that gets it for me. But if I want to get my dad something, my mom, something, my sister, something, my sister wanted to buy a car. I got to work multiple things in order for that stuff to happen, because working one job, I can take care of me. If I can empire this thing and work two or three, now I can take care of my folks. Now I can make sure they got what they got. 
Um, and I think my love language is giving. And I think that's a benefit for me, right? Um, my love language is making sure my wife has what she wants, is making sure my daughter gets whatever she needs. And because God blessed me for that to be the attribute that I, when it comes to people that I love, that I magnify, I got to go figure out how the hell I'm going to get it, right? And that comes with hustle, man. And, and it comes with the grind. And it comes with not settling for mediocre mindset, a mediocre thought process, average, normal. I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not just going to start. We're not going to do one TV show. You're not going to be Steve Harvey, the comedian, getting on stage, cracking the mic open and getting a check. Now we're going to build a freaking business. You're going to go from being the talent to now we're going to open up this business. And we're going to tell our, your partners that we want, we want 33% minimum of every show you do because you have presented yourself in a way where we can demand that. We're going to go get it. And so we went from one show to seven shows, from seven shows to Emmys, to, to own the piece of Miss Universe. Um, to 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 selling a piece of the radio network for a large amount. So, and for me, that that trajectory did not. It couldn't stop. It couldn't stop because why should it? And I'm always a guy that I maximize the moment. So while while we're hot, we're we're not, we're not going to have one show on TV on one network. We got a show on Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, BET, the Word Network, all at the exact same time. Now, unfortunate for people that came after us, you can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we're going to set history right away um, because I, because I, I, I go into things, Kelly, and I ask for, I do an actual commission later. I'm going to get in there and get it done. And you're going to realize, damn, we let this man do this. And then you got to tell me, slap me on my hand, tell me to stop. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in with my hand out like, Oh, Joe, don't do this. No, I'm, we're going to do it. And then, so, so hopefully that answered the question. It does. So help me with this too, because yeah. you have, you have really broken the mold in so many different ways. Like you just talked about, I mean, mm. I, I talked about a, a, a radio and TV personality. Now for our listeners, you're understanding who I'm talking about. When you saw the trajectory of Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey's trajectory was in the hands of this man right here. Mm. So now. Help me with this, though, because there is a difference. There's a difference between hustling, like understanding and knowing how to hustle, which every yeah. successful person knows how to hustle. Yeah. And you can change that word by dropping the or actually just adding an R. Right. So there's a difference between having hustle and being yeah. a hustler. Yeah. You 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 defined that and you didn't become a hustler. Because I watch hustlers for, for years. They're on Instagram. Yo, yo, buy my course for $17.99 and I'm going to change your life in seven steps and blah, 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 right? And they're constantly in your face trying to be able to do it. You have hustle and you turned hustle into an empire. How were you able to yeah. define that and stay away? And, and Because you understand what I'm talking about where when you see a hustler, you can see him from a mile away. Oh, yeah. And you want to stay away from that person as as as. And we see them in our business all the time. Am I correct on this, Gerald? 100%. So how were you able to define that and, and choose like, okay, I'm going to continue to hustle. I'm going to continue yep. to do this. I'm not yep. going to be a hustler. Yeah. So the, the, the difference between the two is strategy, right? <sighs> because someone who hustles and hustles and hustles, they're running the race. They have no, there's no plan. There's no strategy, right? And so strategy is key. And, and, and it's what separates us. The guy that we don't want to be a part of in, in the business that they're in, you don't see the end game. For me, I don't start a business without understanding how I'm going to exit. Wow. Right. And so, and so because, because for me, I, the company that my, my family has started clean and protect 
it's a sanitizing and disinfecting protecting company during COVID, right? But I'm only building this business to build a book of business to sell it. I'm not going to be sanitizing and protecting businesses for the next 10 years. I'm not, right? But the strategy to exit is already in place. And what I learned the hard way, even through my trucking company that, thank God we sold, um, is that the strategy of building a business is that the business should build the business, not my family's savings account, not my daughter's college fund, not the, the money from my wife's business. And, and I've made those mistakes enough times to know that this clean and protect global solutions has to build itself. And, and, and the, the hard part of a strategist like me is that I want everything done tomorrow, right? But the patience in building wealth and becoming a, a legitimate executive and CEO is, is the, the difference between the hustler and, and the strategist is the patience. Like until clean and protect can fund itself, I can't go buy more things. Do I have the money and other accounts and other funds and holding companies to do it? Yeah. But, but the patience in making sure that this business doesn't begin to um, put a stronghold or poison other businesses is by letting it build itself, right? When you start to um, commingle funds from other, other ventures or commingle from your other accounts or taking money from the household account to do this, you are, you are poisoning the infrastructure of this new thing you're building. Uh, and that's the strategy, right? And so, and so the difference is that is that strategy as as someone who hustles and 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 has legitimately um, benefited from being risk adverse is the strategy, Kelly. And and without that strategy, no matter what it is, it may be we're going to do this for six months, this for six months, this for three months, and understanding that we're going to from our family accounts that I was just talking to you about. We're going to willing be willing to invest five thousand dollars into our family's new business, but it's only five. And when you invest that five, that five has to work itself until that business can now generate five more. You don't go back to the kitty for another ten because it's the wrong strategy. The strategy is that five because that five is what your family is willing to take the risk on. When you go back and ask your wife and kids and aunties and uncles for another ten, and that five hasn't made five, you failed. I don't care who you are and what you're thinking, because because that business on that five should that five that five thousand should have been based on a business plan, an immediate strategy, and you know that five thousand is going to work. Now don't get me wrong, everything doesn't work immediately, but if you're going back to the kitty because you wasted it, you mismanaged it, you didn't strategize correctly, you don't get to go back and get more money. You don't get to go re up. Seed seed funding businesses that go for investment capital round one, two, three, and four are based on metrics and goals and measurements. So when you raise a capital round of $100,000, before you can go out and raise another 100,000, you have to prove that 100,000 did this, did that, did this, and did that. And we sometimes as entrepreneurs don't put ourselves under that same VC mindset. We wanna just keep going back because we spent the 5,000, we know it went to marketing and this, but there's no metrics and goals you set for yourself as an entrepreneur, small business or large business, to understand how you can now go back and ask for more money or go or go do this or go do that. So strategy.
I know I'm all over the place, but hopefully. No, you're not all over the place. I mean, this is, I'm writing. I'm not not paying attention. I'm not texting here. I'm writing as we go. So I want to review a couple of things. You said the difference between a hustler and having hustle is strategy. And yeah. you simply put it in that place because, again, we see hustlers all the time. And Gerald, we saw hustlers when we were in LA and you and I broke away, right? We broke away from the speaking engagement and we went and had lunch, right? And we sat down and we were just chilling. We yep. saw hustlers all over there with the cheap suits showing up at the, uh, at, at the, the real estate convention. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's a certain type of person. And I, I tell you, that's the type of person that a lot of times people think of as sales. And I had a person ask me the other day, they said, if you're going to go into consulting or you're going to coach or whatever it is, you've got to be a salesperson. You've got to be peddling your stuff. And I don't believe that. I believe that your business, like you said, your business will peddle itself because you're great at what you do and you won't have to spend as much time on it. But, um, so a, a thing that I wanted to ask too is, you know, when you're lo when you looked at this, right? So I loved the strategy that you had in becoming an executive producer. This was a microcosm for so many people in business, but can you explain, because you put a, uh, a strategy in play when you became an executive producer. So you would not become a draw on the talent. And I thought that this was, I, I mean, probably one of the most genius things. I mean, you, you spit genius all the time as you guys can hear here, explain this to us and how you put that in play. So you wouldn't be a draw on the talent. And, and, and meaning financially. Yes. Yes. So, so my, my strategy in business is always to remove the psychology behind a conversation. And here's what I mean. The psychology behind money for most people um, in entertainment or in any field is that the money they make is theirs, right? And the money I make is mine. Even when you have employees, you look, before you start to pay payroll expenses, you look at that gross number and it would be nice for it all to be mine, right? Uh, but it's not. I'm <laughs> saying <laughs> Or your employees. And so I know the psychology of, of individuals because I'm, I'm a psychology minor. So I'm, I made sure that, that that's important to now look at when a check comes in in a, such an abundant amount on, on television or anything you're doing. Um, I removed the mental theory that you have to pay me or that I have to get paid from, from the work you're doing. Right. And, and most talent managers, if they're honest with themselves, they're going to understand what I'm saying and they're going to be honest with themselves or most business owners that when you get a lump sum of money in, what I did is I positioned myself to be in the budget of the show. I positioned myself. This is what you're referring to, right, Kelly? Mm -hmm. I positioned myself to be in the budget of the show and or the budget of the production or the budget of the company as an executive at the amount that I should pay for sure. But it didn't come from my talent's pocket because the psychology behind those two is different. And, and, and I'm not married to a title. I'm married to my bank account and my wife, right? So as, as an executive producer, I, I commanded the check because I effectively was the CEO of the show, right? And so I was an executive producer. But, but now when my talent produced or when my talent, when they did their job, their task, whatever it may be, the check that came to them was all theirs. It wasn't about paying Gerald for managing me. Gerald removed that psychology or that psychological conversation about having to dish out 10% of your earnings to me because I'm in the show. I'm in the show budget. And I also didn't want to have, I don't want to chase money either. 
right? I want to go do my job and get paid for it. And so that was my theory. My theory was to become a line item in, in the show budget that we produce or the projects that we're a part of. And that's how I got paid. So now my talent or my partners get their money. It is com- It was completely theirs. So <laughs> you, you guys, you guys hearing this, like I'm uh, seriously, I'm just writing. I'm, I'm listening. If you're watching me right now and I'm not making eye contact with Gerald, it's because I'm writing right now. Any conversation that you have with Gerald, you're going to get MBA. Like you're going to get an MBA and then you'll get another one and then you'll get another one. But I want us to look at this type of principle because even in the professional beauty industry, right? I have been in this space for 28 years. This is absolute genius because we deal with this all the time. I had a girl one time, Gerald, told me that she was leaving our company because she got a better offer. I said, what's the offer? She said, I get 70%. And I said, well, you need to take it because there's nowhere in the world that you're going to get 70% of your, you know, and that business be viable. But I said, let me ask you one question. I said, how much are you charging now for a haircut? And she said, 20 bucks. I said, cool. Well, she was making 50% on a $50 haircut with me. Come on. It's the same money. Right? It's actually more money and a better opportunity. Exactly. So what, but what most people don't look at is like you said, they, they extract, you said, I've removed the psychology of money. I, I, I really want us to be able to sit in that for a second. Uh, let's, let's move to this because you kind of glazed over it. You were talking about uh, the, the COVID business that you have right now as far as the, uh, the disinfecting business. This is genius. You called me on this, and honestly, every salon in the whole entire world should use this. And the reason why I say it is because we're sanitizing everywhere, all the hard surfaces after every single guest. Gerald has a business that can spray one time and for... Yeah. Uh, for 90 days, days, it will kill 99% of anything that touches the surfaces. So in in our business, in the professional beauty industry, every salon should just be sprayed one time every 90 days and you're done. Um, this is phenomenal. How were you, but you were talking to me about this before places actually opened up. How are you able to have that star Wars mentality and thinking, from a different into a different realm that everyone else is going to cu- catch up to. You know, you know, for me, and this is what I tell people, I, I'm, I'm always thinking, um, and we all should always be thinking about the next opportunity. And, and that, because, you know, I make television every day. So t- making TV is what I did. And, and, and when COVID hit television went dark, literally. I mean, you know, it, there were, there were people were trying to figure out how they're going to develop and produce. And, and so it became the conversation so what's next? Because I'm a businessman. I'm not a TV producer. I'm, I'm a businessman. I may have a TV producer title and, and trophies and plaques and all that stuff is great, but I'm a businessman. And so as a businessman, what is the answer and possible opportunity that exists from this? Because when, when the first recession in 2007 I was working at Taco Bell, that won't happen to me this time. During this recession, I'm going to be one of the guys that makes millions of dollars. But I was able to learn the lesson in 07 to realize that a lot of guys bought property after that and were able to come out of that on top when, when I was thinking. So for me, it was, okay, here's another opportunity. Somebody's making money during this opportunity. What are they doing? What are they not doing? What is the, so for me, I always believe in business. I hope your listeners hear this. In business, you have to identify the problem that exists. What is the problem that someone has? What is the hell that people are in? How do you become the solution for that problem? Or how do you turn that hell into heaven for them? In my wife's business, when, when I'm talking to her clients, we, we want to dive into the hell a person has. We're talking about the beauty industry. What is the hell the normal person deals with when they come into a salon 
and deal with a stylist? What is that? What, 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 what is the problems that they normally have? Is it customer service? Is it, is it booths aren't comfortable? Is it not people not being on time? Is it one to use a credit card versus paying cash? Is it, it, what are these things? And then turn your booth, turn your salon into a solution to the problems that exist in every other freaking salon, right? Or, or for me, the problem is we got COVID. And at the end of the day, I have to, not only do we have a sanitizing and disinfecting business, but I sell clean. My guys wear GoPro cameras on their chest. I put GoPro cameras on my sprayers because I'm creating a video for the consumer to, for, for my clients to be able to use to let the consumers know, here's what I did inside my salon, for example, right? Because we're selling the, the filling and you are getting clean, but you also have to sell the feeling of clean for the people that want to now return to their normal lives because life isn't normal. Right. So how do you normalize the, the abnormal and make me feel better? Well, let me let me shoot this video for you. Let me let you know how diligent we were about the process. Right. Well, and, and with that being said, in, in the beauty industry, how do you make your booth and or your salon? How do you become the best CEO in doing that? How do you consistently solve problems? Kelly and I have always talked about it. And, and I think he has to run fast and create the, the, the CEO, CEO on the box product. For, for you guys that are listening, because here's the deal. He's done it over and over again. He's had multiple salons. He has an exceptional customer service conversation that I've heard of. Everybody that I know that has dealt with him from Paul Mitchell on down loves him. So how do we transform that, which many people don't get naturally. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And how do we craft that so that it becomes the new opportunity, right, Kelly? So hopefully I answered your question. But you have to identify the problem that existed. For me, the problem was that people aren't going to feel clean. These businesses can't open unless they're, unless they're clean and sanitized. And then how do you provide the solution, which is what we did? And then how do you make that solution viable in any market, right? So we didn't, So I didn't just start this. And again, don't just start a business building empire. I built this thing from day one so that it can go global. So our strategy with our sprayers is not that I have to go hire 55,000 people to spray. I form a national partnership with a company <clears throat> that was already doing something, right? And so for me, it was companies that were going around sp- spraying for pest control, right? Now, they already have trucks. They already have guys who are used to using sprayers. I just have to train and, and teach them how to use an electrostatic sprayer. Easy. I can do it on Zoom or they can come to my meeting. We talk about it. And so now I'm able to subcontract out the work to these individuals that are already in the field. They're already making sales calls. They're already on the phones. Right. And, I'll, and, and so I was able to expand to Alabama, Mississippi, Chicago, L.A. and Atlanta because of that conversation. But I didn't just build an Atlanta based business. Day one, the theory was, how do you multiply this? What, are, what, is this, what is the CRM platform? What, is, what are the Facebook ads? And, and knowing that I'm phasing it out, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen overnight. I'm still not effectively um, selling like I want to in New Orleans, but I'm there. And I know there's a phase one, two, three, and four in order to get there. And I've written it down and I've created my strategy for all you hustlers out there in order to do it. And if I just follow the strategy and pace myself, I'm going to make it work. So long answer to a short question. No, it's perfect. You talked about earlier, you said something that that hit me hard. um, And I want you to, I want you to help us with this is you said, you said the, the trouble in, in your life right now. um, And believe me, um, Gerald Washington problems are different than regular problems. Okay. I was, I was with one of my guests the other day and he said, man, I had a rough day. And I said, what, what happened? He said, my car broke down. 
And I had to wait until my assistant came and delivered yeah. me my other car. She had to take my car all the way over, get the tire fixed, and then she's dropping it back off to me. And, and he said, man, it's been a rough day. And then the next day, he, the time he came in, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm having a rough day. I said, are you having a Peterson rough day or are you having a regular rough day? So let's understand, Ger- Gerald Washington problems are a little bit different than regular problems, right? So you said to me, the challenge that you're having right now is staying on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. What does this mean to you? Yeah, so so my wife and I came up with um, a phrase that we use in the stand on the wall. And 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 stand on the wall for us is that we've effectively identified the businesses that have the best potential. The businesses or the ideas that we have that have the most opportunity. And we don't deviate from those platforms. For her, it's her it's her speaking. It's her mastermind, and it's, and it's two coaching programs, not 15. So I'd be right here with 85 different coaching programs. She has two. And you work those particular elements of life until you can't work them anymore. Because what happens to us as humans is that the grass seems greener over here. I get excited about this, what I heard there. This multi-level marketing thing happened, and this person said I can do this. Or what more many people do, I'm going to go get this degree this certification, this whatever. I'm going back to get my master's and my doctorate. Well, have you made any money with your AA? Have you made any money with your BA? No. So why are we going to get another damn degree, another damn degree? Or why are we going to open up this business and that business stay on the wall? Figure out that thing that works for you, that you're passionate about, that fits in line with your purpose. Again, it has to fit in line with your purpose. If you don't know what your purpose is, scratch everything I said and go figure that out first. But once you've identified that, Stay on the wall and work that bad boy until you can't work anymore. Many of us give up on the ninth hour. And I'm going to send you this, this um, image that I put on my phone of, of, of a gentleman who's hacking away in this mountain. He's hacking away at it, hacking away at it. And right on the other side of, of his last, if you will, pitch act hack is a, is a pound of, of, of diamonds. But he gives up and he turns around. And you can see the next man coming who's hacking and he has who's hacked one, two more times and he gets all the diamonds, right? But the guy turned around. Many of us turn around too soon. We turn around from our dreams, from our goals, from the business that God gave us, from the business that, that, that speaks to our purpose, purpose too soon because we see something else shinier or our friend is doing this and they're quote unquote making a lot of money. You know, our, 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 our daughter's doing this. And sometimes entrepreneurs, we want to go, and this is my biggest failure. I'm going to say my, my biggest opportunity to overcome is that when, when, when entrepreneurialism got rough, I would always run and get a job. And for me, it was, it was the biggest opportunity to grow because a job meant comfortable, being comfortable, right? So I'm not talking about those out there who have jobs. They're in a career you went to school for it and you want to have a side hustle, right? That's not me. I've never been a job guy. When I got out of college, I went straight into business for myself. So two different people, right? So when I say in my book, your nine to five should fund your five to nine until your five to nine, your five to nine becomes your nine to five. Different scenario. What I'm talking about is me, an entrepreneur who's building a business. I've, I've raised money. I've invested money. And then I want to stop and go get a job because it's not working out the way I want it to work out. 
and I want to stop being an entrepreneur and go get a job. I'm, I was miserable. Miserable working for somebody. Because every day I got to get up. I don't want to get up when you tell me to get up. I want to get up because my body wakes me up at 5 o'clock to hustle and grind for the things that I love. I don't want to go to somebody's desk. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not me. But because the comfortability of going to get a, a standard job, and, and I love my parents to death, but the, the, the generations before me were raised to go get a job, will stay there for 20, 25 years, and get a pension or, or get their retirement or get their, uh, what's the other one, medical, whatever, whatever it's called. That's not me. So whatever your whatever but whatever is comfortable for you and you can see it and you know you can go do it, I challenge you to not. I challenge you to dive deeper and like when I took social media off my phone, I challenge you to not go run and do that comfortable thing that you want to do because this feels uncomfortable. I challenge you to use the uncomfortable space you're in right now to dig deeper. I challenge you to get quiet in a room by yourself and figure out why the hell am I running from this? Because for you, the answer may be on, on the other side of stop of not running. The answer may be on the other side of not freaking giving up. Almost cut, sorry. Of not giving up every, every time. And then, and then what I challenge you to do is look back on every freaking time you've given up before. And what the hell did you get from that? So, that's, so anyway, so, so shit, don't give up. I had to cuss. I couldn't hold that's it back. Okay. So. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, man. I, I, and I think that's what I don't even know what the question was, man. I, I got so excited about that one. I don't, but don't get off the wall. That's the point. Sorry. Don't yeah. bring me. My wife tells me to bring it back. Don't get off the wall. Um, because every time you get off the wall and you think something is greener, it's not. And you got to start over and over and over and over. Stay on the wall. So you coming from where you did, right? So, and not that you, I mean, uh, there was probably times where you were growing up and you wanted something and your parents couldn't get it for you. Am I correct on that? Okay. Now you're at a point, and this is tough because with Reagan, uh, she wants something. What would you say this conversation? Okay. Mm -hmm. She wants something. Daddy's got to say no because he wants to say no to teach a lesson, not because he can't. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because bootstraps generations like yourself, like you and Patrice that pulled yourself up and went through and, you know, you got hustle and grit. We, we broke down grit and it was like this. It was having a grandiose vision, having the resolve to be able to take a separate. Resolve means to separate. So separate your old from your new. Have the ingenuity to be able to work through when you have challenges and simply have the tenacity to hold on. G, grandiose. R, resolve. I, ingenuity, tenacity. T, Yeah. I love it. So love when it. you talk about grit, right? I mean, that's a t-shirt, what's that? That's a t-shirt. So <laughs> what, what do you do when you have a smile that melts you? I've seen you around your daughter. Yeah. yeah. Okay? yeah. And now daddy, um, now daddy has a, uh, a, a watch on his wrist that could pay for most people's, uh, apartment, um, yeah. or condo, uh, yeah. How is daddy able to say no because you want to teach a lesson? Very hard. But I, literally, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I, I, the preparation for this question was just say with my family and my wife. And she's actually a lot better. And not that so much saying no as she is the strategy to understand the no. Right. And so the, the thing, my, my daughter did a, a snow cone stand in our neighborhood this okay. week on 4th of July and she did one a couple weeks ago 
And the, the hard part is that she woke up the day of the snow cone stand and said she needed change for the machine. I mean, for people, the customers are gonna buy snow cones and she need to do this and she need to do that. And it's 1130 and the stand starts at 1230. And now I, we know me and her mom, we don't have no life. We don't have things to do. We, we're gonna drop everything and go to and go get changed. Anyway, so the the harder part for me is not telling her she can't have these shoes or she can't have this. She, she wants a skateboard ramp in the backyard now. That I that I won't have somebody build that. That's not the hard part. The hard part is is the grit that I need her to know of what it took for me to be able to get you to skate ramp thingamabob half with a hot pipe whatever it is what it took and getting her to understand that. And so what my wife has designed, I'm not going to take credit for this, is that my daughter, she has an app on her phone to where when she does work, she gets paid for it. And we pay her for it. Um, schoolwork. When she gets good grades, there's an app that tells her for every grade, for every A, you get you know $400, whatever the thing may be. Or you know, for every B, you get $100. I'm making Hold on, hold on. $400 for an A, Gerald? I'm making, I'm making it up. Okay, no, she's you, probably, better, you better be making up $400 for an A. Probably a little less. A lot that. of people what, just tuned out. A lot of people just shut the podcast off because no, you said that. Like okay. It's 40 bucks, whatever okay. it makes. <laughs> don't, don't tune out. Don't tune out. Um, but but the, the, the app allows her to get money for whatever it is she does. And my wife has transitioned to where now Reagan has to do PowerPoint presentations every week for the next five weeks. These PowerPoint presentation sheet, my wife actually told her yesterday, I want you to do a SWOT analysis on your snow cone business. From that, from the strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, what did you learn? So Reagan now has to, my wife, my, my daughter is, is very smart. So she has to go look up what a SWOT analysis is, do a six-point PowerPoint presentation to, to figure it out, and, and then give us the outcome of it. And, we, and we're grading, my wife is grading, we're grading her. On the on this rubric of what the presentation should look like, so how is she how 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 is it presented? What are the graphics? What is the information? What's content? Where is she sourcing and citing her things from? And so, what I had to learn, Kelly, is that unfortunately, my daughter won't take won't take the public transit bus to school. That'll never happen, right? She won't have to go mow grass out, you know, you know, make fifty bucks. That won't happen. She won't have to live on a main street, right? Um, but she does have to identify the SWOT analysis around her babysitting business that she wants to start or her snow cone stand. And she has to present it in presentation format because that is the grit that I need her to figure out, right? I, I, I can't even tell you that I'm going to make her. She, she's done like she goes and does things that she doesn't normally want to do because she needs to not be living on this high horse, which by no means do I, my wife daughter washes dishes. She washes her own clothes. She makes her own bed. And we're fortunate that people are able to support us in our house to do things, but she, she don't get that. My wife don't play that. She makes her own food. Hell, she, my daughter washes my clothes. So I want y'all to get the right impression. But, 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 but the strategy on her getting her version of grit is get this PowerPoint presentation done. So you could be one up from everybody else around you and understand business from the, from your parents who have done business. Right. And and so I tell her no, because I need her to understand, one, you're not going to get yeses in everything you do in life. You're going to get so many more no's. And so I had to learn to tell her no as much as it hurts me, because I need her to not expect everybody to tell her yes. Um, and then she has to prove her case now. 
as to why she should get something or why she deserves something or why she be doing something. And so that's our version of grit, man. It's, it's hard for me because she does smile. She does. My, my daughter still to this day at, at 12 going on 13 in a few, in a few weeks, she will come crawl up in my lap in a chair and go to sleep. She will make my plate and make my food and come off and kiss me my forehead for no reason. And that stuff melts me like freaking butter with a hot knife. But she also needs to understand that these offices and these spaces didn't come. Nobody handed it to us. And ain't nobody going to hand you nothing. And you got to be smart enough to understand what's happening. So, so the, bill- the question. <laughs> yes, the billion-dollar question. I, I've, I've asked this for years for, for many different sources, and I get different answers. Um, yeah. Are you, are you born with it, or can you develop it? <laughs> I think you're born, you're born with an empire mindset. You can develop entrepreneurialism. So, and the difference is, is, is the trigger, right? Because the empire mindset is, is that conversation that takes it from one to 50 and not worrying about the 49 in between. Cause they have to happen. Mm. No matter what, they have to happen. What it looks like getting there, not worried about it, but I'm going to get to 50. The entrepreneurial strategy that you can learn is the one. Not worried about the two, the three, the four. So I think you're born with the empire mindset that I'm going to do 50 in everything I do no matter what. I think you're born with that. Do I think you can? it, it can be developed and nurtured? Yeah. But I think you're born with that. But I think people are taught how to be entrepreneurs because that comes with the essence of business plans and strategies and those things that you just don't know until you go through things. But the difference between you with five salons versus the person that's working in a booth is you are born with the theory that I'm not just going to have one. And I'm sure you can revert that back to many different things you did in life and things your father taught you and, 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 and understand how that came about. But it was never one salon. It was always multiple. How you gonna get there was, was you weren't worried about. It. You're gonna do it, right? Um, and I think I think you're born with that. So you coming from you coming from where you did, and I was saying that a lot of times probably your parents said uh, you know said no because they couldn't um, at the time. I grew up in a situation very uh, you know similar, and you know I was mad at my parents at times. Yeah. And I was like, why can't I have this? And they were like, I mean, I can't. And I mm-hmm. now I can understand it as a parent. Um, yeah. You know, I can understand as as a kid, I didn't really understand it. What was the trigger for you? Because your attitude seemed to be in a different place because there's a lot of people I'm sure that you were around, you went to high school with, um, you were around that had exact, almost exactly the same upbringing, exactly the same place and are not, um, you know, making Emmy award winning TV shows, um, helping people to, I mean, literally like when I try and have a conversation with you, Gerald, about building me as a person, you don't even talk to me about it. You instantly go into what empire are we going to build? You won't even talk to me about building myself. You won't talk to me about building my business. You instantly go to empire. And if I don't want to talk about empire at the time, then you, it's almost like you shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you think that mindset came from? Where do you think that attitude came from? Um, you know, because not everybody 
yeah. had it, but they had similar scenarios. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think for me, I was fortunate that my father and my uncle always wanted more. My uncle to this day, probably going on 80, um, still wants more. And we had a conversation yesterday about the home I have in, in Atlanta. He's like, listen, son, that house is just the first house in Atlanta. If something comes around and you want it, you go get it. And I think them instilling in me that the things that you have and the strategy where we live now, which is the clothes you have now or, or, or whatever it may be, is, it's, it's great that you have it now, but what do you want next? And it's not about not being satisfied because I get that conversation all the time. It's just that there's more, right? It, it was amazing to get to, to be able to fund my own trip in college to spring break and flew Southwest with all my buddies. Right. And then we flew American. And then I, but for me, it was like, man, I'm, I'm getting on this plane and there's two options. There's the guys with the, with the gray hair that walk to the left and go to first class. And there's me and you guys who are walking to row 45. Right. I don't want to keep walking to row 45. <laughs> right. I want to walk to first class. Right. Or there was identifying that I had a Jetta first out of high school. I loved it. Then I bought a Honda Accord, but then I would pass by BMWs and I wanted a BMW. Right. Or you went from when I was, I went from my my first house to the second house. My point, Kelly, is that I don't want a normal life. I don't want an average life. I want more and more and more because it's out there to have. And the reason why I turned social media off, social media off is because I was getting so distracted by the more that I wasn't able to focus on the now. Right? And you have to be able to open up your mind to realize when that's happening. And for me, I've learned it because it starts to it starts to spew out into my house, into my conversations with my family. Until, until, until the tension that begins to build in my household amongst me and my wife or my daughter. And, and, and I had to just realize, okay, wait a minute. Why are we bickering? We don't, we don't, we don't bicker. Why, why is my daughter distant? We, 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 we're not, that's not how we, how we live. And it's because of the me wanting more and looking for more and chasing more that I wasn't focused on the present. And that's also reflective in business. So staying on the wall when you stay on the wall, you're saying, what I hear you saying is, number one, you're, I mean, well, when I say number one, that wouldn't be number one, but number one, your family's going to stay intact, yeah. right? Your marriage stays intact, yeah. right? Yeah. Your business stays intact because of those two things being intact. Because I, sure. I watch this so much where there's, uh, I have mentors in all different realms, right? Yeah. And there's very seldom that I have people who I have as a mentor in all realms because maybe they're great in business, but their family right. isn't great. Does that make sense? Right. So you're, you're moving around. But what you're saying is, is that if your family isn't yeah. functioning and you're yes. bickering, yeah. it's going to flow into your business. Oh, a thousand percent. Tell us when this has happened with you. Like as far as give us a specific of you seeing it and maybe it not working out as well. And it, I mean, cause most people just look for when you're a solution guy and a strategist guy like yourself, yeah. then most of the time we just look to the strategy. Okay. Well, let me change up two things in the business and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Give us I'll, some I'm examples give you a, of that. Yeah. A real example. 
I own an apartment complex in the, in the, in the city in Georgia. And I bought this apartment complex with, with partners and they were friends in the beginning. And I've allowed the friendship to impede the decision on the, on, on the business. So much so that we have family meetings every morning, every Monday at 9 a.m. in my house. And it goes through all of our businesses and our family structure, relationship, travel, who's going where, who's doing what. Every morning, every Monday at 9 o'clock, family for an hour. We run through everything we have, bank accounts, credit, debts, everything, whatever it may be, right? And, and one, of my, one of my holding companies handles this um, real estate transaction. And I was getting anxiety because it, it, it affected my marriage because this deal should have been done a year and a half ago. That's how long ago it should have been done and over. But because of the, the, the friendship, I had no, I have no contract. I had no earnest money deposit. There was a lot of trust that shouldn't have been there. And, and being very transparent to you and your listeners, this person has had, had done me wrong before. Mm-hmm. Right. But I allowed it back in my life. And, and so it, now it created tension in my house because the transaction itself should have been done a year and a half ago and monies would have been paid back into my house and money would have been back in the accounts. And, and, and it was, it was more so the why are you – I don't let anybody get away with anything in business is, is the conversation. And so now my was like, well, why are you letting this guy get away with this? And why has it been a year and a half? And so now we're arguing and, and bickering in my house about something that's outside my home that I should have taken care of. Mm. And, and, and it got into the weeds of, of my Monday meetings at my house because it was I was I – was, dreading getting to number nine on our our task list to have to talk about this situation. And so I had to just deal with it. And I dealt with it last week and and it'll come into fruition in a couple of days. And so now I I was happy for my nine o'clock meeting this morning, but I created that tension because I got off the wall and did a real estate transaction a year and a half ago that I shouldn't have done. And I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have done it. And I did it anyway. And it bled into my house. It bled into my marriage. It bled into, you know, and, and any, any man that is married knows when you and your wife are not on the same accord or not happy, your whole free, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, your whole, and if you're not an a-hole, your whole week is messed up. Your whole day is messed up. And you guys find that even if you guys are not back happy, at least you, I mean, I don't give a damn who you are, girlfriend, whatever. If y'all ain't on the same page and it doesn't affect you throughout your day, you need to get out of that relationship. Because when when mine, when we're not on the same accord, or at least having a conversation about working it out, then I'm done. I'm, I mean, I, I can't even function. And so, if, if so, to that point, if I can stay on the wall and stay committed to the conversations, stay committed to the outcome, continue to communicate, that part of my life won't affect how I am able to provide and give. Is that now when we're when when we're hearing when I'm hearing you talk about each and everything, there's there's I always think of microcosms. I was so blown away one time because a lady I had read a book, The Light Side of the Dark Chasers. Her name is uh, uh, Debbie. uh, um, What's her name? Uh, Debbie Ford, The Light Side of the Dark Chasers. It was the first um, it was the first biopic that I got to do the hair for 
And mm. I think it was one of the first books I was interested in reading. And what it talked about was in a hologram. And I didn't know this in a hologram. If you break the hologram down into teeny tiny pieces, the full picture is in every single tiny piece. Wow. And that's why it reflects the way that it does. So it's much like wow. almost like a DNA. If you take a one piece of you yeah. know, a drop yeah. of blood, you know exactly what the DNA is. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what it was talking about. So in my head, as we went, as I went through what God really worked with me on was microcosms. He was able to, he was saying, break one little piece away from a person and you'll see their whole being. And yeah. what I continually hear as we talk today is when I, what we started with, that you don't build people, you don't build businesses, you build empires. Yeah. Uh, in your book, you talk about this and you kind of take a step by step through. You're doing it right now with driveway productions. Okay. And I want you to talk about this here in a second. Yeah. Before we talk about driveway productions and how you were able to do that, you had, uh, you know, you've, you've got endorsement deals from T-Mobile, from Ford, from State Farm, from, from NBC, ABC, Fox, B, uh, BET. You've made uh, several million dollar companies. I mean, you've given us principles of don't co-mingle business, um, don't co-mingle business funds, have a business plan, a marketing plan, look at the metrics, look at the goals and look at the measurements, remove the psychology of money. I, I love this. I'm not married to a title. I'm married to my wife and my family. Identify the problem, create a solution, find the heaven or find the hell, take them deep into the hell so you can help them to experience the heaven. Um, consistently solve problems. Um, many give up at the ninth hour. You have family meetings. Dude, you just, I mean, you just wrote like that, that just in my notes is is a book in itself of Gerald Washington. Yeah. Listen to me. In these ones, your life will be good, and then you'll ride off into the sunset. Okay, you're a system. <laughs> you're a systems guy. You build empires. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> how has that systematic mindset and like killer instinct worked yeah. in your marriage? Wow. Does it translate? Are you able to, were you able to go into your marriage with Patrice and be like, yo, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to build an empire as a couple and we're going to go A, B, C, D, and you're going to adhere. I'm going to adhere and everything's going to be fine. Is that how marriage works? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wish, but but I will tell you this. I've learned a lot uh, because I think marriage is probably one of the hardest opportunities I've had to grow as a person and and because I'm human and as a guy who got married at 28 27 to 28 to a guy who would be 40 on the 30th of this month there's there was a lot of growing that I still had to do and the system that I started out with at 28 is far from the system I use now at 40 for my marriage the strategy and thinking and selfishness that I had at 28 is far from what I have at 40. And the mistakes and decisions that I made from 28 to 30-ish, I would never do now. I would never disrespect my household and infidelity and all the things that people don't want to talk about. I would never do that at this point because of what I saw as a possible out, as a possible end result. Um, 
I've learned that an example of, of, of a strategy or a system is that when we're mad or when something comes up, I say, you know what, babe, remind me to tell you something on Thursday, which gives the space from Tuesday to Thursday to talk about what it is me mentally to talk about it amongst myself before we have the conversation. So a lot of the anger has subsided for both of us. So the goal is to not talk about it in the moment, but to talk about it later. And when she reminds me about what we're going to talk about, I say, I didn't like when you did this, this and that. It would make me feel better if you did this. I could respond differently if you said it this way. Because you're still growing. Because I'm not the same 28-year-old. I'm a 40-year-old. And so there's a conversation, a way to speak to me at 40 that we may have not discussed because we haven't had this situation happen before. I need you to know how that made me feel and who I would have become if I didn't wait to talk on Thursday. If I didn't pause and take a moment to, to think about it, I would have reacted and been defensive and we would be in this scenario because of how I received it. Um, and I also know how to be more humble. You know, and I think that is a strategy because I don't have to wear my pride on my shoulders in my household, right? Um, and I'm fortunate because I guess some people may have to, but the strategy had to be where I was willing to take the pride off and respect that I, uh, you know, I knew that my wife respected me, but respect the fact that she has an opinion and a business and a desire and goals for herself. And I began to feed into those and, and, and invest in her business and, and whether it made money or not help her follow her dreams. I mean, now she's kicking butt and taking names and doing COVID, you know, me under the bus, making money. Right. <laughs> um, but, but that's also a system. Oh, when I was, when I, when I used to always say all the time, Patrice is my horse in a race in my retirement fund. And I'm investing that and investing that and investing that because she believes in it. She believes in it. She believes in it. And I'm able to cash in on a little bit of it right now doing Corona. You know, but that was a strategy and a system. And it wasn't because I think I think at the end of the day, if, if, if people are honest about their marriage and their we were best friends before we got married, if they're honest about that and dive into the relationship first versus everything else, we form a two handed circle. Her and I, her hand, my hand, two handed circle. No one in, no one out. I don't give a damn what we go through. Me and her. No one in, no one out. Because when you allow aunties and uncles and cousins and her friend and my friend to, to penetrate that two-handed circle, now you got now it's like this and everybody got their opinions and their conversations. That was also a strategy for us. And there was also a conversation that we had that there's no plan B. Doesn't mean there won't be a plan A minus, but there is no plan B. Right? And you don't use the D word, divorce, in the house. No matter what happens. If there is no plan B, then we just got to figure out what the new plan A is because there is no opportunity to go and see the grass is greener or whatever it may be. There's no plan B, right? Um, so we, we, th those are kind of some of the systems and mantras and strategies that have helped guide us. When we, went from, when we both filed bankruptcy, we both lost it all and working, working at Taco Bell. We used to say, been there, done that on our way back every time we saw a Ranger pass by. Right. Been there, done that on the way back. So when we had to drive one car, had the Camry, when I had to catch a cab to work, when, you know, when we had to grit and grind, it was it, it, it was we were able to make make do and figure it out.
eating Taco Bell every night, and I can make you eat Taco Bell ingredients. If they, I can make you any meal you want, enchiladas, quesadillas, I can do all of that. But but we did it together because we knew we had been there, done it on our way back, and that, and and so that is what you know. So hell no, marriage ain't easy, <laughs> <laughs> and hell no, I don't have the answers or the system. But I've been able to figure certain things out that will hopefully allow another 20 years to happen. I believe it will. I mean, seeing you guys together, I just think it's amazing. I love the way that I love the way that you love your daughter. And um, I I think one of the the biggest things hearing you say, too, is that you started to realize that your your desire for more, although that's not bad, it started to override. Right. It started to override. So get back on the wall. And right. make sure of a thing that you had told me um, is probably it's maybe been a year ago. You told me I remember us having a conversation and you said um, that you were working at Taco Bell and then you glazed. You went fast and you said I was the CEO of, of Taco Bell. And I was like, wow, you built Steve Harvey, his shows. You were an executive producer and then you were the CEO of Taco Bell. And you just laughed and cut me off and we're like. I said I was the CEO of my position at Taco Bell. Explain that to me. So, so, you know, I I was a a shift lead, I think is what the title was. But being the CEO means that you're taking executive leadership role at the task that that you're responsible to do. So for me, I would lead a shift. And I was the CEO of my shift because... I had been a CEO before. I'm a CEO in my head no matter what it is. Whether I was a captain of the football team, I'm a CEO of the football team. Making TV shows, I'm a CEO executive producer, whether it was building, building my, our, our, our marketing business and throwing parties. And so when you put me in a job, when I had to do what I had to do, I still kept that CEO mindset of my shifts. And my shifts were run better than anybody else's. Food was out faster, hotter, fresher. We, we, we came in over, over, over budget in every shift because I was I treated that opportunity at the time to still find ways to grow. How do I motivate these individuals who are not easily motivated working in the jobs they're working in? How do I motivate them? I used to start doing giveaways. I wasn't making much, but I would buy everybody lunch if we hit certain metrics. I would I would identify people get an extra 15 minutes in their break and I would cover their shift. I'm not supposed to be making the food, but I'm gonna make your food. Go take an extra 15 minutes because you kicked butt the last hour. And I would just treat that Taco Bell position in that uniform like I was a CEO, because I was going to become a CEO again. There's no doubt in my mind. I just happen to have have the opportunity to the opportunity to be the CEO of my shift position at that franchise. And I think everybody has to find the way to be like my daughter. You got to be the CEO of this snow cone business. She came and said, "Well, Dad, we just want to have fun." No, no. I want you to have fun, but if you're going to start a business to make money, and you want to do it with your friend. Yeah, you guys are going to have fun. But we're going to put some strategy behind it. you got to be the CEO of this right now. And so my, my, my wife always says, she, you know, that you're the CEO of your own life. And you are, no matter where you're at in it. So, Gerald, when you were talking about with your daughter with the snow cone and, yeah. you know, snow cone, hey, we, me and my girl want to have fun. What does Gerald do to just shut it down yeah. and be silly and be that? maybe 10 year old kid. Like with myself every year I have my birthday party. One of the years you're going to have to come. Sure. Um, but all my buddies from fourth grade, all uh, we still hang out to this day and we get beach cruisers. We rent a house on the beach 
and then we ride the whole weekend on beach cruisers to different bars, different whatever, and we hang. And it was good for me because my boys sober up in between time. But it turned into this crazy, you know, thought. And then we just did the one in Vegas and we rode the Las Vegas Strip. And we we literally rode probably 14 miles and I was on a, uh, I didn't have a regular bike. So I had a, I had a, a, a 10 year old's BMX bike and, yeah. I, and I rode this thing like 14 miles, but we were jumping off curbs. We were doing stuff and yeah. we just completely released for the day. What does Gerald do to shut down, to do, you know, and be silly? Yeah. And be silly. Right. I think the moments that I'm able to be silly are with my daughter. Um, she brings out the silliness in me and my wife. Um, but if I'm honest with you, Kelly, I don't have a beach cruiser scenario yet, but you're inspiring me to find one. Um, I like to fish. I, I need to find that moment. Uh, another, another, um, that I have, and I did that I, that I didn't take advantage of is I didn't build real relationships growing up. Um, or, or, and so I, I love to talk to people like you and my wife who've had these lifelong friends. So I can kind of, pull some of that energy because it's important. I begin to build them now as, as I've gotten older. Um, but my daughter makes me laugh and, and she does the craziest things and she knows how to pick at me to make me forget who I am and just be, and just be her dad who is, is goofy. Um, and is always looking serious, but she knows I'm not serious at all. So she does it for me. Um, but I'm gonna challenge myself challenge accepted to find that thing that makes me feel 12 again um, and report back accordingly. Hey, come back, come and be, come with us for my yeah. birthday. And literally yeah. it is, it, all it is is snapping on each other. Um, I mean, somebody always ends up, I'm not going to name him, Will, uh, but uh, <laughs> there's always this somebody that ends up asleep before everybody else and he ain't asleep from sleeping. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's someone that get wrote, gets written on with a sharpie um there i, I mean it. it is just it, it it literally goes back my wife reverts back to about 16 when she gets with her girls and they're giddy and they're doing their thing i'm like we are nine and my buddy uh, will we took off on the beach cruisers and we're going downhill and he's bunny hopping on this yeah. beach cruise. he's he's 45 years old and he ain't at a weight where you should be bunny hopping on anything <laughs> And he slam, slams on the back brake and just he's going oh. towards towards a, a, a intersection is downhill. He does it. There's so much weight and pressure that Gerald it completely takes off the tread on the whole tire and then to the inner tube and pops the inner tube and he almost goes into the uh, the intersection. So for us, um, I want you to come and experience it. It is it it is on a, a completely different plane. I mean it's it's so much fun. Um, so. We, you exude confidence. Like when you, from the first time that you and I talked and I told you about uh, surrender, right? I told you about hands up, hands on the head, hands behind the back. Literally, I could see it in your head and I felt the wheels turn and you were like, all right, I'm going to build an empire on that. You know what I mean? Um, You were going through it. You were, you were doing those things. The, the, again, the confidence is like, you could tell me, Kelly, we're going to go here. And I'd be like, all right, we're good. I'm going. Cause Gerald said that he's going in my house. Um, a lot of times my wife hears me say, and she hasn't got to spend much time with you, but my wife hears me say, well, Gerald said this, and this is what we need to do. I love it. Thank you. That's a blessing. 
What does Gerald fear? Wow. Doing all that I have and, and working on all that I continue to work on and not leaving a legacy that my funeral is not filled with people who knew Gerald. They knew the transactions, they knew the businesses, they didn't know me. And not leaving enough of, the, of a deposit in this world that my kids' kids will know. My goal now is to make more money and, and to build wealth, but, it, but my wife and I talk about it, but it's also to make sure that I'm leaving a legacy behind. And so I fear that. I fear that my dad died with no life insurance, so he left me nothing, right? Except one thing I did leave behind is a funeral full of people that loved him to death because they knew his heart and his soul. I don't want mine to be in the reverse. I have a massive, I don't want to have a massive life insurance policy and nobody knows my heart. And that, that's what I fear. Um, because I've ran from real relationships so long, Kelly, that I, I don't want that to, to define me. And so I fear not clicking on the switch that turns on my heart for people to see it. I did a, a 13, 14 post thing on, on Instagram to tell my story so that people can see my heart. Um, and I think that's that, that that's one of my fears. Um, that's one of my fears. I mean, I have fears about my daughters and that kind of thing, but that that's the one about Gerald. We all have those fears about our daughters. Yeah, they're probably the exact yeah. same ones. That's why we. That's why we keep yeah. really. That's why I keep clients in Vegas. People are like, "Are you going to keep clients in Vegas?" I said, "Yeah, always." I got a daughter, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "I got clients yeah. in Vegas that can make people go away." They disappear exactly, and then, and then they <laughs> then they laugh, and I'm like, I, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I keep one foot. That's why I keep one foot at home in Inglewood, and one foot here in Atlanta. <laughs> so, um, uh, I I haven't done this before, and I don't think I've done this in our relationship. But um, I want to give you a word. I want to give you uh, some some prophecy right now over your life. Um, and I, I believe it's very, I believe it's very simple, but what God began to speak to me while you were speaking, I was still, I was listening to you. Um, but what he began to speak to me is he's going to bring relationships into your life. He's going to bring people into your life that will, uh, have, um, uh, amazing upside in business, but that's not what it's for. And he's going to have you, which is going to be against your natural nature to be able to expand and all they're going to do and be and serve in your life is to just be a friend. But there is going to be so much upside in business that could happen that he is going to continually draw people in and he's going to have that because he wants that, that relationship. So what he was saying, when you said that for you to be able to turn the switch on so they could see the heart, he wants you to understand that he wants you to turn the switch on to business so they can see the business, but what will always be on is your heart. And he wants to flip that in your life right now. From this point forward, he wants to flip that in your life, and he wants you to understand and know that his relationship with you 
it has nothing to do with transactional, that it's, it has nothing to do with any transactions that, that, uh, as, as crazy as this sounds, because from the most confident guy and the most, uh, amazing, amazing individual, uh, probably one of the, the, the most amazing that I've ever met, um, your love and his love for you has absolutely nothing to do with anything that you've ever done. It has all to do with who you are and who you were built to be and who you were built to be. There is going to be more increase because mm. of those relationships than any of the strategy that you've ever had. So that's what God wanted you to hear today um, yeah. on, on this Monday. Um, and I, you know, obviously we'll write it down and, and do that. So I've got a couple questions for you as we finish up. Okay. These were questions that my wife asked of me. So I was walking in Chicago and I've been in a, a transitional uh, point in my life for a while. You've been through it with me and we've talked yeah. about it for years. I think it's frustrated you for two years, um, at times, you know, because yeah. I think that you see things that other people don't see. You have that, that empire crystal ball. <laughs> I was walking in Chicago and she asked me these four questions. I'll ask them to you. Number one, what do you want to be? Well, say it again. What do you want to be? Wow. What do I want to be? A great husband and father. Okay. What are you willing to do? Be relentless at, perfect, at bettering myself. What are you willing to release? Everything about the outside world that is affecting my focus. What are you willing to receive? New relationships that I would normally turn, turn away. Another word that, uh, that he's, he's given me right now for you is that he's going to teach you in this season to, um, to accept mm. you give yeah. and you produce. Mm. Um, and I don't know if this is, uh, you and I haven't talked about this, but, um, and I don't know that you have a challenge with this. But most of the time, people who give the way that you do, who can produce the way that you do, sometimes have a challenge in it actually coming to them because they almost feel uncomfortable with somebody else blessing them at the level that they're blessing others. It's so much easier for them to give than it is for them to be able to receive. But what he's going to do for you in this season is he's going to teach you to sit back and sit on your hands. This is, the, this is the vision that he's seeing. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to sit on your hands. Um, so, and he's going to do this. Because he's going to have you sit on your hands where you can absolutely, you could do something and you might, might could do it better, but he's going to have you accept and receive from other people. And that is going to be the blessing that's going to come in your life. And he's going to teach you how to do this. Not from a, Oh, cause if I went to give Gerald $10,000 right now in cash, Gerald mm -hmm. would raise up off his hands Hand, yeah. hand it back to me and be like, yo, we need to invest this. I can make it a hundred thousand. I can make it a million. I can make it whatever. So take it back. I don't need your money because I got my own, but he's going to have you accept things that you already have that you don't need, but needs, but you're going to have to accept them because it's going to be a blessing to somebody else. So thank you, man, Gerald. Yeah. Uh, the whole reason why I created this podcast was for my kids. 
Uh, I wanted them to, I wanted to humanize iconic people like yourself. You Mm. have created Emmy award-winning shows. You have built empires, million dollar businesses. You wrote a book that everyone on the planet should read every single person, whether you have a business, you want it to be successful and turn into an empire, whether you have a marriage and you want it to turn into a not plan B, (laughs) Uh, whether you have a, a, a daughter, a son, and you want to turn into something that is greater in a legacy, you need to read the book. Don't just build a business, build an empire. Mm. But I, I started the podcast because of my kids. I wanted to humanize people like yourself. And I wanted them to see that the Gerald's of the world who, you know, when you did the circle, I loved it because your, your one hand, um, was out there and, Sometimes just this that was on your wrist could inspire mm-hmm. someone saying that's possible. Right. What message? And if you could say their names, Maddox and McKenna, if yeah. you could look into the screen and say their names too, but what yeah. message would you send to them as eight year old and 11 year old from the iconic Gerald Washington? Maddox and McKenna, it's uncle Gerald. And what I want to tell you now that I pray stays with you for the rest of your life is that you're enough. Anything and everything that you desire, want, and dream about is already within you. It's on you to find it. It's on you to lean on God to get it. But you're enough. Don't let anybody tell you nothing else about it. Your Uncle Joe cussed a little bit. So take, 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 I'm not going to cuss, but take, take what's in you. And give it to the world because they deserve it and don't hold back. Wow. Well, I thank you so much for being on here. You, you need right. to, you need to read this guy's book. Um, I, I keep saying, and I keep saying that you are the uh, best kept secret on social media. Although for the next three months, we know we're staying yeah, yeah. on the wall. We're staying on the wall. There's no going to, going to be a post from GW at GW empire builder um, yeah. on Instagram, but I would suggest go back and see the other stuff that he's already posted. This is the, least appreciated person on social media. And I could say that bar none in the whole industry. The reason why is because most people are shouting and saying nothing. This guy is whispering and giving you the keys to the kingdom. Mm. So I want to thank you. I want to thank our sponsors, uh, uh, Cardenas Law Group in uh, Las Vegas, a, a boutique law group. Um, that, that guy has all the answers, and he takes uh, he takes his business to a completely other level. Piper Diamonds, who uh, pro- provides all of our jewelry. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you need to check him out. He's in Indianapolis. And uh, Gerald, most of all, seriously, I want to just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I know your time is so valuable, and um, you're officially off the hot seat, man. Appreciate it, man. I love you, bro. I love you too. So click the link, subscribe, do all the things that you're supposed to do and listen to the shameless promotions that we do. Uh, make sure you buy and patronize all the businesses that, uh, that uh, support us that way and do what you're supposed to do. Have a wonderful day. This was the Kelly Cardenas podcast.